Hello, and thank you for joining us for episode six, part four, where we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower. And we're going to be looking at it from Matthew chapter 13. So as you turn there, consider this. Aristotle once said, a soul never thinks without an image. I currently have a four-year-old daughter. A young child's imagination is so strong that they don't even really need much of a story to be engaged. You could start off a story by saying, Tommy opened the door. And she'd totally be sucked in by that. If they're older, though, you might have to say a little bit more. Something along the lines of, Tommy opened the door and saw a dragon. That would probably totally work on a seven-year-old boy. But the younger we are, the less we need in order to be captivated. Our imagination was strongest whenever we were children. This parable that we're going to look at today requires us to use our imagination because God's word is meant to enchant us. Unfortunately, we live in a disenchanted world. Jesus even clarifies a few things for us here, and he says this, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter into the kingdom of God. So may today we enter onto Matthew 13 with childlike eyes so that we can enter the kingdom of God. This is what Matthew chapter 13 says. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Great crowds gathered about him, so much that he had to get into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled in saying, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn, that I would heal them. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And now the parable is explained, beginning in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, 
The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has yet no root in himself and endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Thank you for sticking with me in that long bit of scripture. But let's go ahead and kick off this parable series and review our main theme. Jesus used parables, stories about everyday experiences, to help us understand truths about God. Through these stories, we can better understand our own story and better know God. You see, Jesus loved to tell stories, and parables were his favorite kind to tell because they're memorable comparisons to everyday life. We all get it. Details were included, but they were seldom central to Jesus' message. Some parables are so clear with obvious meaning that every listener caught the point. Some were less clear. They were kind of like a code intended for Jesus' followers to understand while his enemies were confused. This approach kept his critics controlled so Jesus' time was less consumed by the argumentative harassment of the Pharisees. And we hear a lot about them in Scripture, so let's talk about them for a moment. The Pharisees were a devout religious party, committed to keeping every detail of the Old Testament law of Moses as they interpreted it. They kept all 613 laws. The word Pharisee literally means separated one, although others claim it means careful interpretation. And I think both of those tend to be correct. The Pharisees honestly get a really bad rap. 400 years before this story, the Jews returned to Palestine from humiliating captivity by eastern empires. They acknowledged the glory days of the nation were past and concluded that God was punishing Israel for disobedience. Their response was an admirable one. They focused on protecting and keeping God's law. It's not fair to classify all Pharisees with a negative label. Many were devout, pious, and God-fearing. But others of them became legalistic, and in their zeal to please God, they developed hundreds of regulations. So as we've looked at the Pharisees in the book of Matthew, let's go ahead and dig into the background of the overall book of Matthew. Matthew was the earliest recording of the Gospels. The book is written by anonymous, but credit is given to Matthew, the tax collector. The Gospel was memorized, and then Matthew recorded them, and do a beautiful tapestry recorded the 33 years of Jesus' life and ministry. The parables are important because they follow nine stories recorded by Matthew. The stories illustrate that Jesus is bringing his perfect kingdom to restore the brokenness of humanity. And you know probably most of these stories. They are stories about lepers, centurion servants, stormy seas, and demonized men. They also include characters like a sick mother, a mute man, a deaf person, the paralyzed, and even someone who's dead. The point of these stories is to show that we need to follow Christ. But it also shows that Christ 
likes spending time with people, and loves them wherever they are in life. It is important to note that all the parables include the parable of the sower, as they act as a commentary on Matthew 8 through 10. When we hear parables such as the one today, we can have three responses. We can respond in a positive way, a neutral way, or a negative way. We see all accounts and responses in Scripture. Generally, most people that hear the gospel respond in a positive way. It's to say, Jesus is the Messiah. We can respond neutrally. That is to say, is he the Messiah? And lastly, we can respond negatively, which is to say, Jesus is not the Messiah. I'm not given that the time of day. Before we begin, which of the three ways will you choose? The lens by which you answer this question will change your interpretation of the parable of the farmer. The parable of the sower is recorded in three Gospels. It is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. At the time of this parable, Jesus was growing in massive popularity, but he was experiencing pushback by the religious leaders. People were coming from all over to hear him, and that is why he is speaking from a boat in the story that we see today. On this occasion, what apparently prompted his parable was his view of the crowd as he investigated the people's heart from the boat. It's also important to note that the parable of the sower is kind of a parable of a parable. Confusing, right? The crowd Jesus spoke to appears to represent a mixed bag at Matthew's time. The crowd appears to be true believers as opposed to false believers within the church. Remember that all parables reference the kingdom of heaven. So let's talk about this concept of the kingdom of heaven. The nation of Israel had high hopes for the reign of God on earth. After generations of war, captivity, humiliation, and difficulty, they yearned for a day where God would intervene and bring down his rule on earth. In Jesus' words, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same in central themes in Jesus' teaching. His message invited listeners to become citizens of God's kingdom through repentance of sin and belief in the good news about God's sovereignty and his salvation. Parables include a lesson on how to live as a loyal subject of God, not by laws, but by love. They were looking for a political government with all the usual trappings of geography, of army, and law. But Jesus had much more significant idea and vision for them, that the God was going to invade their history and bring about a new rule. That this is a story about God restoring the image within us and taking us back to Genesis chapter 3 before the fall. The parable of the sower tells us how to process the rest of the parables. In his book, Echoes of His Presence, Ray Land makes the point. From the beginning, God spoke and acted within the context of human culture. It was not unusual then that his son should do exactly the same. Jesus Christ, the Son of God incarnate, the Word made flesh, entered our human world at a specific time and place. He wasn't born in southwest Arkansas, in South California, or in the Texas Panhandle, or in the Appalachian Mountains. He was born in a land that was a hotbed of political and religious turmoil, a country that had been at the crossroads of the world for centuries where the rocky soil was red with the blood of the conquered and the conquerors. He was born into a race of people chosen by God to bear his name to the world, 
a people who had made a covenant with God and broken it, and then had been restored to his favor. Throughout his life, Jesus was a member of his culture. Through his message was unique, he brought it to all people, to the Jews and the Gentiles, using methods and language consistent with his role as a first century Jewish rabbi who was also a citizen of a Roman-controlled country. And as we remember that, let's ask ourselves, what type of soil is he talking about in the parable of the farmer? And what characteristics, maybe of the heart, does each represent? Let's take the first. The first is the seed falling upon no soil. It literally falls upon the footpath. Satan comes and he steals the seed. The heart of this person might be hard, cynical, or difficult. This could be consistent with one of those phrases we mentioned at the beginning about him not being the Messiah. And this projects a negative response towards the word of God. The second is seed falling upon shallow soil with underlying rock. The rocky soil. Roots can't grow here. Hearts here are interested in the word of God, but when problems come, they totally check out. They will run in the opposite direction. This response is rooted in that lens Is he the Messiah? Without tangible proof of faith or a carefree life, these are lost to the problems of the world. The third is thorny soil. Think of it as soil with weeds. Competing priorities are an issue here. The thought process of this goes something like this. God is important, but a divided heart falls here. It also follows, is he the Messiah? They might ask questions like, is God good? Is he perfect? Is he creator? Is he sovereign? Does he care about me? If you could draw God right now on a blank sheet of paper, what would he look like to you? Would he be a distant old man? Would he be a loan shark? Would he be a vending machine? Would he be a bright and shining star? Your view of God directly affects your priorities and maybe can help us with that third one. The fourth is by far our favorite. It's the fertile soil, the good soil, where seeds grow up to a hundred times what they were before. This is a picture of a sanctified heart. It's here that we see a heart rooted in Christ, and it can get back to that one lens that he is the Messiah. Remember that the word heart means the center of our being. It's not related to just an emotional feeling. It includes our logic, our belief, our creativity, and our life focus. It is also important to note that the sower, the farmer, is not the focus of the story. The seed is of importance here. The seed is the word of God. It is the gospel. It is the good news. And I wonder, does this place a new focus on the word of God in your life? So what's the main point of this parable if we were to boil it down in one sentence? And it's this. The same message receives different responses from different people. And sometimes we don't like that, do we? So we have to ask ourselves, what happened to each sheet and to the fruit? And what might this have explained to Jesus' disciples about what they were witnessing as they followed Jesus? As we've already discussed about what happens to each It's interesting to note that the sower did not map out a farm plot. He didn't plant in rows or anything even like it. He literally just throws his seed everywhere. 
and this was typical of a farmer in Palestine. The listeners would have totally connected with this. Ancient sowers did not have the equipment to tell which ground would produce much fruit and which would produce little. In a sense of evangelism, we cannot predict who will accept the message of God and who will not. We are just to throw God's word out to the world indiscriminately because his word is for everyone who has ears. This takes pressure off of us to produce or multiply right. It is on the hearer to respond. Christ knew what the disciples were able to experience, and this parable would have later brought them comfort after he was gone. This passage begins by telling us also who was with Jesus, and that's going to be in Luke chapter 8, verses 1-3, through and what they had been doing. The crowds were so large that he had to board a boat in order to teach them from ashore. From the boat, he shared nine parables about the kingdom of heaven, describing the new order that he was coming to establish, and he only taught in parables. So now let's find your story and God's story. If you had been in the crowd that day, how do you think you have would related to Jesus' teaching? The reality is most of us will not draw crowds or create parables to reach those around us. But like Jesus, we need to keep our message true as we love God's people and share his message. What could we learn from Jesus' teaching about knowing who to invest in for his kingdom? What does this also mean about making the gospel cultural to those around us? And is there a line we need to draw with that? Maybe another question to ask ourselves is, according to Jesus' interpretation of the parable, Christ is the sower, sharing the secrets of the kingdom, his revelation with his disciples. How does this help you understand and live within the parameters that there is just going to be secrets of the kingdom and we can't figure all of them out? Does this make you feel uncomfortable? Or does this actually take a little bit of the pressure off, knowing that there's a little bit of mystery going on here? And lastly, what is our role and responsibility in planting and sowing the word? And how could we imitate Christ as we engage in spiritual conversations with those around us? Lastly, how do we need to depend on him for revealing himself to others? I hope that you have enjoyed the reflections and thoughts today about the parable of the sower. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us or send us a message. May you be blessed today.